World's Finest Podcast, Episode 25. As always, I'm Michael Sims, and with me is James Doe. How's it going, James? Not too shabby. Episode 20 freaking 5. <laughs> 25, yes. this is awesome. Uh, but you're good? You're good? I am. Uh, not really any complaints. Baseball season started, so I'm in a much better mood lately. <laughs> yes. What are you watching right now? Oh, I'm watching my Atlanta Braves uh, make a miraculous comeback. <laughs> And I'm in an even better mood now. So, you know, I won't bore everybody with the details because I know not everybody, everybody's a baseball fan. But let's, I'll just say that the Braves were down by five runs and scored five in the bottom of the ninth. So, woo! <laughs> so uh, how goes uh, Super Smash Brother, whatever this one's called? Basically, whenever I play, it's just now I'm trying to unlock shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I've gotten, all the, I've gotten all the characters. I'm working on stages and trophies and stuff stickers and all all the other miscellaneous shit that's in that game. Mm-hmm. But it's fun. It's really fun. I'm loving Sonic. That dude is just ridiculously fast. Mm. It's hard to control, but I'm getting him down. Of course, you know I'm not playing that game. You're not? <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> but as you know, because I posted this over at the forums the other day, I, I'm proud to say I finally bowled a perfect game in Wii Bowling. Yeah, it was like 3 in the morning. I was up. I was getting ready to go to bed. And I'm like, oh, I'll bowl a couple of games. And Two, three games in, you know, I hit six strikes in a row, which isn't a big deal. I can do that pretty easily. But I hit a seventh, and I've never done seven in a row. And then I hit eight and nine and ten. And, of course, in the tenth frame, you get three balls, you know. So at this point, I'm starting to shake. And I'm like, okay, I throw it, and I hit 11. And now this is the final ball, the twelfth one. And I'm thinking, if I throw a nine on this one or anything less than a full strike, I'm just going to cry because I'm one strike away from doing it. And I let go of the ball. And, James, you're a bowler. You know that when you let go of the bowling ball, you can tell if it feels right or if it feels wrong. Oh, yeah. And you can actually feel that on Wii Bowling, too. You can actually tell if you give the ball enough speed, enough curve and all this, and it didn't feel right. That 12th ball did not feel right, but it hit the pins. It it hooked at the last minute and hit the pins and took them all down. And I I put the Wiimote down, and my hands were just shaking. I mean – over at the forums, I think I typed something like, oh, my God, I just pulled a perfect game. I can barely type. And that was that was honest. I mean, it took me, like, just a couple of minutes just to type those two sentences, two, three sentences, whatever it was, because my hands were just shaking so bad. But, yeah, I mean, I, I played it a couple times since then. I can't even do more than four strikes in a row. You know, I just I just can't duplicate the success. <laughs> I did it once. That's all that matters to me. I'm super proud of myself. Shoot, and I've been bowling since I was five years old, and I've still never bowled a perfect game. I think the best I bowled is a 278 or well, something that, like that. That's still nothing to sneeze at. I've, I've, bowled, I've bowled nine in a row to open a game, and then I, like, choked and left, like, a bad split. <laughs> that's not a good feeling. Eventually, one of these days, I'll bowl a 300. I know I will. So, um, changing topics rather abruptly um <laughs> we might have a reason why the batman ended and that is the kids wb is like going away 
Oh, that's right. I did not know that at all. And someone pointed that out. I don't remember if it was at the Earth 2 forums. It was at another chat forum. But someone pointed it out to me, and I was like, I wonder if that's why it's ending. Because that ended. Uh, Legion of Superheroes is ending. The They're ending with a two-parter. The first half of the two-parter aired this past weekend. And in it, it looks as if uh, young Superman, because they can't dare call him Superboy, died. I mean, he actually flatlined, and they said, you know, he's gone. Superman's gone. So something will happen in the next part where, of course, Superman returns and so yeah they're killing that show off too but i'm worried about what's going to happen to spider-man that that new spectacular spider-man cartoon because that just started on that network where is it going to go is it going to nickelodeon is it going to the cartoon network who's picking that up because that brand new spider-man cartoon is awesome it is so damn good um i mean you saw my post at the forum a couple of days ago when doug was like it's 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 childish. And I'm like, no, it's not. And I start citing all these reasons how it's like super cool. And one of the things I dared to say, and I was surprised you didn't actually call mm-hmm. me out on this, James, was I had said that the, the voice actor, and I, I can never remember his real name, but the voice actor who does Norman Osborn, it's the same guy who did The Clock King, is on par with Ron Perlman's Slade. <laughs> I was really surprised you didn't go like, how dare you say that? See, I've never seen the Spider- I haven't seen that Spider-Man cartoon yet, so... I wasn't going to jump on you for uh, uh, praising somebody's voice work when I've never actually heard their voice work. So that that wouldn't be that wouldn't be right. <laughs> well, I, I thought you'd do it on just general principle alone. Well, you know, They're like no one's equal to Ron Perlman. <laughs> oh, I have Crispin Freeman's up there. But anyway, that's another that's another topic for another day. Yes. But uh, yeah, you really got to go check out an episode. It's one of those things where it's very much like the old Spider-Man comics, where, you know, with the old comics, you could pick up any comic. And we're talking like the Stan Lee days, so, you know, the 1960s. You could pick up any of those Stan Lee issues and know what was going on. But at the same time, you also understood that there was a greater story being told. You know, in this issue, Peter might be fighting the Rhino, but he's having troubles with Gwen. Well, why is he having troubles with Gwen? And you gotta, you kind of got to pick that up on the fly. It's like a soap opera. You know what I'm saying? Right. And this cartoon, it isn't doing that sort of one-and-done thing that a lot of modern kids' cartoons do, where everything, like a reset button, is hit at the end of the show, and when you get to the next episode, it's like nothing happened beforehand. No, in this show, there are consequences. I mean, sorry to spoil it for people, but I'm going to... Throw a little spoiler out there. There's Peter gets an in, Peter and Gwen get an internship with Kurt Connors, who of course becomes the Lizard. Well, at one point when Kurt becomes the Lizard and he runs off, Peter runs after him to go play Spider Man, right? But his friends, that being Gwen and even Eddie Brock, is there because Eddie Brock is a little older than Peter and he's smart here and he's uh, uh, Kurt Connors' assistant. Think that Peter ran off to be a chicken. Well, the next day, they see a picture of Spider-Man fighting the lizard in the bugle, and the picture was taken by Peter Parker. And Because, of course, Peter always sets up his camera in the distance for, you know, to take pictures yeah. of, of his fights. So they think he ran out to go take a picture to go make money when if he would have stayed at the lab, he could have helped them create a serum to cure Dr. Connors. You see what I'm saying? But they yeah. don't really understand that while, yeah, true, he did make money, he did run out. He still was trying to subdue the lizard so they could get him 
the serum. He trusted his friends that they could make the serum, but he can't tell them that. And Gwen and Eddie have been mad at Peter for a couple of episodes since then. It didn't get reset. It wasn't like, oh, hey, we're chummy again when the next episode starts. And I really like that because, as I said, it harkens back to the old days where there's these threads that are constantly running through and you you, you kind of got to know what's going on. But at the same time, it doesn't hurt the story if you're coming in, in in just the middle of it, if you understand what I'm saying. It's sort of like these Superman episodes in that there's a continuity and you can feel it because things are referenced throughout. But if you come in and, at any episode, you're really not lost. Mm-hmm. But it, but if you know the greater story, you know, it, it provides you a bigger picture and you enjoy it just a little bit more. So I, to you, James, to anybody out there who hasn't had a chance to see The Spectacular Spider-Man, go watch this. I believe it's going to run for 13 weeks straight with no breaks. And I think they're, I think the fifth episode just aired. It was the Sandman episode. Um, so the next one's airing, and I think it's the Rhino episode. So, yeah, definitely check it out Saturday mornings, I think 10 o'clock, 9 central, something like that. I don't know. I TiVo it. I'm sleeping when it airs. (laughs) So do you want to get some emails? Sure. Why not? Our first one today is from Gary, who writes, hey, guys, my name's Gary, and there's a couple of things I would like to sort out. First, I stumbled upon this podcast one day. I heard it and became an instant fan. Literally, I've been listening to you guys since episode 20. Thank you very much. Uh, Second, I don't know if you guys consider Static Shock to be part of the DCAU. It is. Because he has had crossovers with Batman, Green Lantern, Batman Beyond, and the Justice League, which all, all of which were rather good. The static, uh, episode, and static was in the Once in Future thing, parts one and two in the JLU series. That was an awesome episode. Um, okay, now that I got that off my chest, here's what has been bothering me about why you guys still think Teen Titans is in DCAU continuity. We should, we should note that the subject line of this one was like, you still think Teen Titans is in continuity? And like, all these, all capital letters. And when I saw that in the <laughs> inbox, I was like, oh no, no, we... no, no. <laughs> so I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's okay. He's, he writes, in a Teen Titans episode, I think it was Robin that was transported into the future, and Robin sees his future self, Nightwing, which indicates that the Teen Titan Robin is Dick Grayson. Which is correct. Uh, Now, back to the Static Shock series. The first time Static meets Batman, Batman is with Robin, who is the Tim Drake Robin. Second time Static meets Batman, Robin is MIA, and as the episode goes on, Static and Bats are in the Batcave, and Static asks Batman, where did Robin go? Batman answers, he's with the Titans now. Who, Static says? Batman replies, maybe you'll meet them someday. So this must mean that Tim Drake left Batman to join the Teen Titans. Here's where I keep running into a wall. So, the Robin that joined the Titans is Tim Drake, but in the Titans show, he's Dick Grayson. But how is that? Because way before the Titans show, Dick Grayson already became Nightwing, as shown in Old Wounds in the Gotham Knight series. Plus, in the JLU episode Grudge Match, Huntress follows Black Canary into Bloodhaven, and atop a building, we see a silhouette of Nightwing crouched next to a gargoyle. So, by all this evidence, I believe that Teen Titans was in a universe all its own. That's my two or three cents. As always, keep up the good work, you guys. I look forward to more and more episodes. No. Um... That theory is flawed because it's based on the fact that the Titans would have disbanded the second all those teens became adults. But that's not what happens with the Titans. It's not what happens. There's very few super teams teams that just dissolve. I mean, look at the Justice League. Justice League. The roster is constantly evolving. What you have to do is if you assume that Teen Titans took place before Batman the Animated Series, those characters on that team, okay, they all grew up. 
So the Dick Grayson that's on Teen Titans grew up to be the Robin that we saw in Batman the Animated Series and later into Nightwing that we see in Gotham Knights and, as he mentioned, in that cameo in Justice League Unlimited. What that means, though, is that the Titans kept on going. And Tim Drake, that Robin, joined another version of the Titans as Robin. So when Static is told that Robin is on the Titans, it doesn't mean that Dick was never on the Titans. It simply means that both Dick and Tim were on the Titans at different times as Robin. That's the way it is in the comic books. Dick Grayson was one of the founding members of the Teen Titans. He was their leader. Years later, that being now, Tim Drake is on the Titans as Robin, as their leader. So that is what's happening there. It's not meant to imply that the Tim Drake Robin is the Robin that's over in Teen Titans. We just have to assume that the Titans continued on after Dick left the team, and now Tim is there. So I hope that makes sense. Okay. Next one is from Stuart, who writes, uh, and this was kind of an aside uh, email he wrote. Uh, it says, in case it slipped your mind since you didn't talk about it, Hardcastle's also in the Cadmus arc for one episode, Fearful Symmetry. So he wasn't really much, that much of a waste of a character. And I had completely forgotten about that uh, because Power, you know, what is really the clone of Supergirl, which is basically Power Girl, uh, appears and basically just annihilates him. And... Uh, it wasn't, and that's a really, really good episode. Uh, Hardcastle was actually a pivotal part of that episode. So, yeah, you're right. It wasn't a total waste of a character. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I've seen a lot of the Justice League episodes, but I don't believe I've seen them all. Um, and I think this is one that I've only seen part of because I remember the clone Supergirl destroying, killing, however we want to word it, some soldier. Some mm-hmm. each soldier, but I didn't know who it was at the time. I didn't, you know, I wasn't making the connections because um, I hadn't seen Hardcastle in a long time. I hadn't seen that episode of Superman in, in a very long time. Um, so a lot of the stuff that happens over in Justice League, I'm not remembering it as we're reviewing the stuff that we're reviewing now. Uh, so when we get to Justice League, a lot of it's kind of going to be sort of fresh to me. So, it, and- yeah, I, I, I would have never, if he wouldn't have wrote in... I would have never made that connection, so I'm glad he wrote in and is uh, keeping us honest, so to speak. And, and reminded me about that, because uh, it was the same voice actor, too, I'm remembering that. Um, and Stuart's original email here is, uh, he writes, Okay, now, I, you, I had a lot of problems with your review of Speed Demons, but I really couldn't comprehend what you meant by your bashing of the animation of all things. This is what I wrote in my forum response, but I think uh, of all my posts, I wanted to get this into the email. Are you kidding? The animation was excellent. It was animated by Tokyo Movie uh, Shinsha, the highest budget Japanese studio of all time, or of the time. It animated every single mind-blowing BTAS episode, Feet of Clay, uh, Part 2, Read My Lips, The Demon's Quest, not to mention Return of the Joker. There was nothing wrong with the animation in this one. The speed looked convincing, unlike the lame repetitive blur effect they used in Justice League. The way the gust and the rubble moves and the way Superman's cape blows, it's great. Uh, the electricity was also really dazzling and vibrant. There's a lot more energy in this episode than the uh, Coco DY episodes, which are dull and stick to the most bland design restrictions. My only complaint would be the mini tornado thing that Flash makes when fixing up the ocean liner, because it really it looks really out of place, but that's it. Seriously, what was wrong with it? And uh, this was, of course, addressed to me, so I think... In hindsight, I did bash it maybe too much because I went back and watched it again. I was like, you know what, this I, I, this wasn't as bad as I originally took it for. But 
it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, when F- Superman first flies onto the scene in that episode, it's really, really choppy. Uh, I implore you to go back and watch it, and I think you'll see what I mean. Um, and there's s- uh, several instances when f- uh, Flash is running that look really just not crisp, shall I say. Um, but yeah, I will admit I was too hard on it. Uh, and there were some, you were right, there are some great effects with the weather. Uh, but on that same note, I think there were just as many moments where the weather effects weren't really all that great. So, yeah. I will just uh, compromise there. <laughs> it, will that potentially change your grade down the line? Will Speed Demons be one of those episodes you potentially go back to when we look back at Superman the Animated Series? I could see myself giving it a, maybe a half point, maybe a point, because I graded it a 5.5. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, because still, I really don't think it was all that great of an episode. And because even though I changed my view, my point of view on the animation slightly, I don't think it's going to... That's that in and of itself is going to be enough for me to jack my grade up all that high. Okay. But I could I could definitely see giving it another half point up to a six. Okay. okay. Our next email is from Tyler, who writes, "Dear James and Michael." We should actually first, say this is Tyler one because we have two emails from ta- from two different Tyler. So this is Tyler <laughs> one. Actually, yeah, this is from uh, Tyler and actually two people, Tyler and Ross, uh, who write. Dear James and Michael, first, we would like to say that we are regular listeners of your show and enjoy listening to your banter about our favorite television shows of all time. We really enjoyed James' perception of the animation quality as well as Michael's ability to examine the minute threads of continuity that exist in the DCAU. It is nice to know that you have an appreciation for the DCAU that we have also had since we were in elementary school. However, my brother and I have been playing a game with BTAS since we were very young. As you know, BTAS has its own unique title card accompanied with an episode theme. At the youngest ages we can remember, we invented a game where we challenge each other to close our eyes and guess the title of each episode based on the musical theme alone. We've been playing it since 1994 and still compete to this day. In fact, we consider ourselves to be two of the world's premier BTAS historians in existence, obviously not including anyone who's ever worked on the show. Is this a game you would be willing to participate in? We think that you are the only individuals that we've ever heard that could possibly compete with us. We think it would make for great competition. We hope this is something you'll be willing to participate in, and it would most certainly make for some tremendous on-air competition that the fans would appreciate. Uh, once again, we we really enjoy your show. We will continue to listen, and please contact us when you are ready to accept our <laughs> challenge. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Regards, Tyler and Ross. <laughs> um, James? <laughs> uh, don't look at me. <laughs> no. Well, I can't look at you. You're several thousand miles away, sir. Uh, I will say this. I am not good with the BTAS music. Yeah, so uh, we appreciate the offer, but I think to save face, we're going to have to decline. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our next one is from our second uh, listener named Tyler, who writes, Hey guys, my name is Tyler, and I recently discovered y'all's podcast, and I must say I'm thoroughly pleased with all of them. I more or less just bounce around to different podcasts depending on the episodes and subjects. I've been an avid BTAS fan ever since its debut back in the early 90s, and it's so much fun to listen to a couple of down-to-earth guys just talking about what was great and what sucked balls. I do agree and disagree on certain ideas and concepts about the show, but that's what makes it more enjoyable. While listening to you guys discuss what should have happened at times, it got me wondering if there are any particular storylines you would have liked to have seen in the Batman and Superman series. Two that come to mind were the Nightfall storyline in Batman bringing in Azrael and the death of Superman, which would incorporate, uh, incorporate the many different Supermen. 
And I may just not have listened to it, but what are your beefs with Batman 89? Oh, good Lord. <laughs> and aside from the obvious gripes I hear about the movie, it's a masterpiece in cinema, and especially in the comic book world of movies. And I just wanted to, you guys to elaborate on why. But again, I just want to say that your discussions are kick-ass, badass, and smart-ass. <laughs> Great. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Great stuff. Keep it coming, guys. Tyler, P.S. Clock King sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Let's, let's address Batman 89 first. Again? Uh, and again, and we'll get back to the uh, other question about what storylines mm. we would like to have seen. We'll get back to that one in a minute. Um, you know, really, James and I are going to address this down the line. I don't mean to tease you guys with it, um, but there are plans for us to address it. Not on World's Finest Podcast. It's going to be an episode of Earth2.net, the show. Um, I don't know a number yet. I don't even have a general time frame. Just I know it's going to be a couple of months. That's that's it's, the best I can tell you. I can't. It's scheduling you. conflicts that are Ex- holding exactly, up. exactly. I can't tell you. You know, April, May, June. I don't know, but it's going to be in the next couple of months. So once you know that episode is is fully recorded, we'll let you know so you can listen in, so you can hear me gripe, 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 gripe about the Tim Burton Batman movie. Because to be fair, it's more me that dislikes that movie than James. Um, so I don't think we should put, you know, it should, that, that, that uh, I think, what was the line? Uh, what's your guy's beef with that movie? I, no, that should be pointed at me. Because James, you actually like that movie. I mean, you acknowledge it as false, but you like it to a certain extent, correct? Yeah, I do. And it's just sentimental because it used to be my favorite movie until really, until, really until Batman Begins came along. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. yeah, I mean, I have a lot of the same gripes with it you do, but a lot of things I'm willing to overlook, which you aren't, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so the first question he asked, what storylines uh, would you have liked to have seen? Now, are we talking just, Bat- he said just Batman and Superman, or are we talking about the whole DCAU here? Because, personally, the one thing, whenever I'm asked this question, the one storyline I come up with always is Tower of, of Babel. Right. I would have loved to have seen that put into the Justice League. And I realize it probably couldn't have happened because Batman's such an integral part of the show. But, yeah, they that would have been the perfect way to re- get Ra's al Ghul into the Justice League show. Yep. I'm still, you know, angry to this day that they couldn't get frickin' Ra's al Ghul into some kind of storyline in, in Justice League or Justice League Unlimited. Um. Other than that, though, um, I don't know. Let me th- give me a few minutes to think while you, you know you can say one, Mike. Okay, you know I, I agree with him on what he said about Batman and Superman. You know the whole Nightfall thing that would have been cool, but how do you take a storyline that big? I mean, that lasted for like forever and compress it down into just two or three episodes. You know, that would be like asking us to. It'd be like trying to get No Man's Land into a. Right. Into like the show or something. Right, exactly. I mean, you have to remember that back when they were doing Batman the Animated Series and even Gotham Knights, they weren't doing, you know, three-part episodes. Um, the the first three-part episode that was ever done was the first Superman episode. Um, and then the next one would have been World's Finest. And then I think we don't get another three-parter until the first Batman Beyond episode. Um, that is a three-parter, isn't it? I be- yeah, I believe it is. And then I, you know, once we get to Justice League, we start doing, you know, two, three parters a lot. But back with Batman, they were just doing one offs, occasionally two part episodes. So there was no way they could have done something that big. Um, 
but it would have been cool, nonetheless. Very cool. I would have liked to have seen Asbats. I would have liked to have seen um, more of Bane. Um, I would have liked to have seen, um, you know, even though he wouldn't have been Nightwing at the time, we would have seen Robin take a stronger role in the in the series. That would have been neat. Uh, switching over to Superman, absolutely. The reign of Superman thing would have been so kick-ass with Superboy and the Eradicator and Steel. Um, I mean, I know Steel comes into the show. Uh, wait, is he? Yeah, he's in Superman, right? Or does he first appear in Justice League? Uh, he he appears in Superman, and then That's he's what I he has a pretty good a pretty good size role in Justice League Unlimited. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I mean, you know, he pops up, but they could have done it a different way. They could have introduced Doomsday a different way. But again, you're talking about a huge overarching story that just would have gobbled up so many episodes, and they just weren't doing that back then. Um, when it comes to Justice League, um, I agree with James. I, I think his pick is spot on. But, you know, they weren't afraid to do alternate reality stories. Uh, you know, there were time travel. They were – sometimes they were getting – what was the one? Uh, Legacy? Is that the one where they met the Justice Society analogs? Legends. Legends, that's it, yeah. You know, so, yeah, they weren't afraid of doing alternate reality stuff, so I would have liked to have seen The Nail adapted. If you're unfamiliar with The Nail, in that one, um, the Kents are going along the road, just as they were when they found the baby all those years ago, except the truck gets a flat tire because it ran over a nail. And instead of Clark being found by the Kents, um, you know, we... I won't spoil what happens with, with baby Kalel, but... You know, because the Kents didn't find him, the world is drastically changed. And, you know, it was only a three-part miniseries. It was a prestige format thing. So the episode or the issues were a little longer, but they could have adapted it into a three-part Justice League episode because the nail, as I said, you know, it starts out with the Superman thing, but it really is a Justice League story. It really incorporates the entire DC universe. So that would have been super cool. Um, I'm actually hoping, fingers crossed, that down the line, that's one of the cartoons that they choose to adapt into a direct-to-DVD movie. I mean, we've already had the New Frontier. We have the Gotham Knight thing coming up. Uh, we did have Superman Doomsday. We're going to get a Wonder Woman cartoon. We're supposedly getting the Judas contract. I know there's some delays with that or whatever, but the nail is the one I'm really hoping for, because, especially if they do it in, uh, the the guy who wrote and illustrated it, his name is Alan Davis, if they do it in Alan Davis's style, yeah, kick ass, <laughs> kick ass. Yeah, and another one would be The Long Halloween, but then again, that's one that you and I have hoped would be, like, a live-action series on, on, like, Showtime or HBO, something yeah. on those lines. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've expressed that I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, series there, but again, that's that's what thirteen parts, twelve, thirteen parts. Right. You need to make that some. You you need to do like a cable season. You know, twelve, thirteen episodes each. You know, a half an hour each or whatever, and do it a little more adult. Put it on late at night and on a Showtime, on an HBO, on an FX, um, and you know, let it be a little darker, a little more violent. And I think they could do justice to that too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, our next email is from Mike, who writes, Hey, James and Mike. Okay, here are a few comments on WFP episode 24 in regards to Harcastle and Eiling. I don't remember which JLU episode it was, and we've already gone over this, mm -hmm. uh, but there is an episode that has a scene where a few members of the Justice League are talking to a retired General Harcastle. It was at the beginning of the Cadmus story arc, so there is a continuity factor there with having Hardcastle before Eiling. As far as Livewire, when they brought her back in Justice League, it wasn't the same voice. Mm. As you can tell from my previous emails, I'm very fixated on certain <laughs> voice actors playing these characters. 
while I like everything Bruce, Tim, and company have done in the DCAU as far as voices and stuff like that, once you give a character a voice, that's it. That's the character. <laughs> as I've said before, Tim Daly and George Newbern are the only voices of Superman I acknowledge. Kevin Conroy is the only Batman voice for Batman being animated. I couldn't stand Jeremy Sisto in Justice League The New Frontier. The devil, you say? <laughs> Seriously. I'm, wow. Um, I know that JL The New Frontier is a period piece, and they're using Hal Jordan, which is great. I'm a huge David Boreanaz fan from his Angel days, and I think he was a great choice for the Hal Jordan character. I'm glad they didn't, uh, didn't use Jon Stewart beca- uh, here because Phil Lamar is the only voice of that character to me. Other than that, I think the movie was good. A little short, though. I would have liked... I thought it would have been longer. I almost wish Bruce Tim and everyone had uh, that did the DCAU would revisit Justice League and make more stories. Amen. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Mike. And our next one is from Mike again. Yeah, uh, follow-up yeah, follow email here. Uh, okay, guys, I've watched Jail the New Frontier, and I've listened to your podcast about it. I can't remember which one of you... Which one of you who said that the, the thing around Captain's Cole, Captain Cold's neck was a detonator or if it was actually the sixth bomb? Flash says it in there that he could only find five and that the sixth was a trick because it was around uh, Cold's neck. I've attached a picture montage so you can see what I mean when you make uh, – um, and make sure you follow the pics in a numerical order or appearance in the film. No, 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 no. That, that was – Flash does not say that's the sixth bomb. He simply says it was a trick to distract him because – why would Captain Cold put the sixth bomb around his neck? That doesn't make sense. It's the timer, it's the detonator, whatever you want to say, but it is not the sixth bomb. It's not even said in there. Okay. When I first found and started listening to WFP, I went to the website, worldsfinestpodcast.com, but the only thing there is the artwork design, and there's uh, there's no actual content of what you've given for scores or anything. Was this done intentionally? Thanks for bringing new life and views into the DCAU. Well... What? If you happen to visit worldsfinestpodcast.com, starting today, April 2nd, the site is now live. It is live. It is up and running. Um, so I want everybody to go over there and check it out. It's an absolutely wonderful design that I had absolutely nothing to do with. We had an, uh, a listener email us a while back. His name is Mac Richardson. And he said, hey, guys, you know what? I'm a web designer. I see you don't have your site up. Uh do you want me to help you with that? And I said, sure. And uh, he <laughs> sent me uh, a couple of links, this other sites he had designed. I thought he did wonderful work, absolutely splendid work. So I said, dude, this is great. Can you send me a template or two to show me what you have in mind? And he did. I loved it. And that is what you see right there. Um, and I want to promote uh, Mac's site, uh, his business, so to speak. It's Code Barista, www.codebarista.com. That's www.codebarista.com. If you didn't have a chance to write that down, I will post a link to that in the uh, World's Finest Podcast episode 25 feedback thread at the earth2.net forums. And of course, if you go to worldsfinestpodcast.com, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners are doing right now as they're listening to this, because they're going to be like, oh my God, this site's up. You will see over on the right-hand side, the site navigation. You'll see a section for home, about, you can contact us. You'll see the link that says forums. That'll take you to the earth2.net forums. Just scroll down a little. You'll see the feedback section for World's Finest Podcast. You're going to see a link for the RSS feed for this very show. You're also going to see something called Mailbag. What this is, 
is a way for James and I to address all the email that we receive without reading them all on the air because we love all your guys' emails. Trust me, we love them. But it's getting to the point where we're getting so many, we can't possibly address all of them on the air. I mean, we've been talking for maybe 35-ish minutes now, thereabout. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we still, I think, have another email or two to go after this one. So if we would have read all the emails, we would have gone, like, easily 45 to 60 minutes. So if we don't read your email on the air, you know, a day or two after an episode airs, go over to the mailbag section, and we'll address it over there. You'll see written responses there. Um and if you guys have any ideas about things you would like to see on uh, worldsfinestpodcast.com, write in and let us know. You know our email address. Um, if you don't, it's on the site. You can find it very easily now. So absolutely write in. Let us know what you want to see because the website's all about you. I mean, yes, it's an archive for the episodes, but I want to do more things with it. I want to hear what you guys want us to do with it. Also, what you're going to find on there aren't just episodes of World's Finest Podcast. You're also occasionally going to find episodes of Earth2.net the show. Of course, as you all know, in Earth Hit at the Show, episode 199, that's the one where James and I reviewed Justice League The New Frontier. So there's a link to that episode on worldsfinestpodcast.com. If James and I, uh, in the future, review any more of those, you know, not DCAU, but DC animated features, we'll post the links on there. So there you go. go and if and right. when the Judas contract comes out, you can bet your ass that we'll be reviewing that oh yeah i'm sure i'm sure we're gonna do our best to get to um the the gotham knight things that's it's called gotham knight right the thing that's filling in the gap between the two new batman movies yeah the six episode thing right i'm i'm you know i'm sure we're gonna attempt to get to that we're gonna attempt to get to the wonder woman cartoon um earlier we were speaking about us talking about tim burton's batman movies and other you know, bat movies, those links you'll also be able to find on here. So it's not just going to be world's finest episodes. It's going to be episodes of Earth and at the show that we think you guys, our listeners, might find interesting. So I just, again, I just want to really, 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 really thank Matt for helping helping us with this. I think he did a splendid job. And I, I, I highly recommend him. Seriously, guys, if you need a website built, go to him and he's going to help you out. So again, codebarista.com. Amen. And our last email today is from Eric, who writes, Hey guys, great start in Bizarro Talk. I think many of those, many of us who like Superman the Animated Series would have known what you were saying after thinking about it for just a second. I loved episode 199 of Earth2.net, the show, which was our JLA, uh, our JL The New Frontier review. It helped push me to watch the film. I was in awe of the, of the New Frontier film. I would love a commentary on the world's finest, uh, on, on the episode world's finest. I would watch and listen to every commentary you do on this episode, definitely. Well, you won't have to wait all that much longer. Nope. Well, we're not going to do a commentary. We don't want to, we don't want to make them think that. We're just doing no. a review of it. Because remember, we joked about doing like seven commentaries or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guess what, guys? Kristen Croik will not be in the rest of season seven and only a few episodes of season eight of Smallville. She's, playing chun Li in the new street fighter movie so she's in thailand shooting that <laughs> i guess this is as good a point as any to say that that movie is going to be atrocious but you know the first one was was horrible anyway so um in the episode the late mr kent superman does mention that he doesn't have to eat but quote unquote habits are hard to break this is when he's at the daily planet late at night and he gets hungry when he sees a leftover pizza yeah i, I knew we had seen him eat but i knew Somewhere, I remember him 
referencing not having to eat. And after we spoke about that in the last episode, in episode 23, I, or yeah, 24, pardon me. Um, I went online to try to find any evidence to back it up from the comics. And I found a couple of people mentioning it, but none of them referenced an issue that it was mentioned in or anywhere else. So I'm glad he, I'm, I'm glad, uh, Eric is, is backing me up here saying it was actually said in Superman, the animated series. So cool. Okay. The episode Blast from the Past uh, is the first time Luthor has publicly bashed Superman. I think it's because of the situation Luthor feels justified in starting a revolt against Superman by attempting to spread fear towards the public. Didn't Kryptonians talk in English in the first episode they did? Oh, no. They were speaking <laughs> English so we could understand, we could understand that. It. Yes. They were speaking Kryptonian. Um, and obviously they weren't going to have the people speak gibberish for 22 minutes and just use English subtitles. What you have to is, I mean, go watch like, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, go watch an old movie about like French people or German people set in Germany or France or whatever. And, you know, if, you know, if it's in English, you know that they're really talking German. It's just in English so we can understand them. That's what's happening here. You know, mm-hmm. it's... You know, yeah, it's, it's there's again. I, I reiterate, there's no way those two Phantom Zone criminals could have been speaking English. It simply did not make sense. Uh, which was the common theme for that two-parter, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was. Promethean, bad episode. I just never liked it. I applaud you for taking more than a minute to review the episode. <laughs> One thing that is funny when it is whenever there's a world-dominating disaster heading for Earth, Metropolis seems to be its hit target. In the season four. Uh, uh, season finale, Chloe mentions that Smallville seems to have an extraterrestrial bullseye on it. Here, Metropolis seems to have that same problem. Yep. Livewire episode, Leslie is a shock jock just like Howard Stern. Sometimes they create controversy just for the shock value. Even though Lois is trying to talk civil with Leslie and find out what her problem with Superman really is, uh, shock jocks will not come out of character for anyone. So since Leslie has really has no good reasons to hate Superman, she has to make stuff up. Remember, at any type of rally, be prepared to throw eggs. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, you know, here's the thing, though. You know, I've listened to some shock jocks, and I've heard them back up some of their claims. Leslie never did it. She was just like, he's a jerk. I hate him. Nah. And that was it. And I seriously don't think in Metropolis that show would stay on the air if you were bashing Superman, you know, from 5 a.m. to 10 or whenever her shift ended. I don't know and I don't care. It just would not last. You don't get away with bashing Superman in Metropolis. Mm-hmm. Um, in Speed Demons, yes, we get Miguel Ferrer in this episode as the Weather Wizard. He also played the Weatherman, a Weather Wizard-type character in the Justice League of America live-action pilot. <laughs> Weather Wizard does survive. He becomes part of the Superman Revenge Squad in JLU. Yep, in that phenomenally good episode hereafter. Um, Identity Crisis. I think the reason why Bizarro's speech isn't in complete reverse mode yet is because he's still in the early stages of his uh, nervous system deterioration. So he's still competent at times. And by the time we get to JLU, he's just completely opposite. Two more Bizarro episodes in the Superman the Animated Series and uh, two or three times in JLU. Maybe the costume change is part of the clone DNA. We do see uh, the other clones, and they appear naked, but maybe they haven't developed that part of the clones yet. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that was something I had sort of thought of after the fact is, you know, I, I watched that episode again, or parts of it, and I started thinking, you know, no, I did watch the whole episode because I watched it with Jenny. I wanted to watch the full thing with Jenny because I'm like, Jen, you got to see this. Bizarro is such a sad character, and she was all like, oh, after she was done watching it. But anyways, you know, I was looking at it, and I'm like, you know, that really could be his skin, the costume. 
Mm-hmm. And it's not cloth at all. It's just his flesh, and that's why it changed. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> I mean, it, it's bizarro, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll do it for emails. Eddie, why are you doing this? What have I ever done to you? That's just it. You never did anything for me. And I risked it all. My job, my reputation, my research. I knew what would happen if Lex found out. You blew the whistle because it was the right thing to do. Wrong. I blew the whistle because I wanted you to notice me. You didn't. But you will now. Daddy was a black belt. First up today is Target. In this episode of Superman the Animated Series, Lois is about to receive a very prestigious award. uh, But before she does it, she receives a message that says something like, you win, you die. And, uh, of course, she does win, and she goes up on stage, and she's very nervous because she doesn't know what's going on. And uh, as she's uh, delivering her acceptance speech, um, this big uh, glass structure it's it's a mock-up of the award you know how they get the little oscars but at the award ceremony at the actual oscars they have that big oscar standing there imagine that but it's hanging over the stage um it's it's the 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 iron or steel excuse me cable that's holding it up is being cut and it's about to fall on her but of course superman comes in and and saves her and throughout the episode they're trying to figure out who's trying to kill her there's a couple of red herrings thrown in there we meet uh who do we meet? We meet a brand new police officer. We meet a rival reporter. We also meet a scientist that was Lois's informant. And at the end of the day, it turns out that it was the informant. He was pissed off that um, uh, some time ago, some months ago, uh, he was working inside LexCorp and he was feeding Lois information. And by doing this, he ended up losing his job. And Lois ended up getting, you know, major recognition for this story, but he got nothing, nothing. She, he barely gave her a thank you. She barely pays attention to him. Um, so he's the one that wants her dead because he, he, you know, he feels that she cost him everything. That sums this one up. Mm-hmm. Um, Clark wearing a sling is absolutely priceless. Yeah. What he does with it is better. <laughs> when, he, when no one's looking, he just slips his arms out to grab the, what was it, a coffee or a donut? Which one was it? I think it was a coffee. Yeah, whatever it was. He just slips his arm out, just grabs the donut. I love those moments when Clark just looks around and gets to blow his cover because no one's paying attention to him. We get another one of those later on uh, in this episode of World's Finest Podcast, actually. Mm-hmm. In fact, it involves this character all over again. Yes, it does. So twice in... The episode with, uh, what's his name, Leitner? Yeah, Edward Leitner. Yeah, so two episodes with Leitner, we get to see Clark act like that, and I think those are really funny moments. Um, what else What else about this one? Well, uh, this episode is important because it introduces Detective Bowman, who will uh, come into play in my favorite Superman, the animated series, moment yeah. of all time. Uh, but when, we, when the late Mr. Kent comes around, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but the thing with that is, he appears in the beginning, and then he's never seen again. I didn't understand that at all. No, they show him a couple times in this episode. Do they? Yeah. Man, I, must have, I must have been typing up my summary to this episode while that happened. <laughs> There's a scene where he's on a rooftop snooping on Lois. I think he's got binoculars, and he's like looking into her apartment or something. Hmm. I think we see him at least two more times in this episode. It isn't like they just put him in the beginning and that's it. He is in here. I mean, he's not a major character in here, but he's in here. Well, okay. I admit my mistake there, but I'm, they do establish that he's 
quite the scumbag. Yeah, and I I like that. I mean, as I said in the recap, they set up a couple of red herrings as to who it could be. And I thought that was good because a lot of times when, you know, you get an episode like this in a cartoon, you instantly know who it is because it's the new guy you've never seen before. And that's the same for comics, too. Oh, who's this character we've never seen before? I don't know. Let's just pretend he's been our friend all our lives. Uh-oh, we're being stalked. Who could it possibly be? Well, it's this schmuck that they just introduced in this issue or in this episode. Here, they don't do that. They introduce a full three new characters as Red Herrings, and I loved it. I thought that was great storytelling. Now, I'm, I'm not in love with this episode, but I love what they were doing there. It was almost like an episode of Scooby-Doo, and it pains me to say that, comparing these two cartoons. Ugh. But you know well, what I'm saying? When you watch Scooby-Doo, you could never quite be sure who it was because they were always introducing, it, you know, they were introducing three or four characters that it could have been. Mm-hmm. And until they pulled the mask off, that's when you found out, oh, it was Professor, what's his name? Jinkies. I didn't know. You know, that's sort of what's <laughs> going on here. But it wasn't just one guy. It could have been three. And it's cool that one of those guys ends up being dirty anyways down the line. Yep. And uh, that's it's pretty commonplace for the DCA whenever they construct an episode with several red herrings involved in the plot. It's almost always, a, uh, at least an above average episode. Um, and I'm, you know, I kind of, I kind of dig this episode because, uh, it does introduce a couple of characters who come back because Leitner will find out comes back as an, as a new Superman villain in Superman, the Animated series and in justice league. Um, the next thing I wanted to, Take note of is uh, Willy Wonka, the the, the, ele- the elevator shooting out of the roof. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of when when that happened. When the when the the rocket powered elevator like blasted out of the building. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what though? Speaking of that scene, I can't stand that scene. It's yeah. it's like okay, Lois gets in the elevator by herself. You know, she goes to press the buttons and whatever, the elevator starts moving by itself or it's not doing what she said. I don't quite remember. But regardless, it starts moving <clears throat> and she she goes to open up the, the, you know, the call box, the emergency call box, and there's a bomb in there. And it's counting down. I think he gives her like a minute to prepare to meet her maker or something, some really lame line. And when she tries to escape, you know, it turns out, oh, no, there's jets. There happens to be jets on this elevator. So it goes flying, and it blasts through the roof, and it's flying through the air, counting down 10, 9, whatever, and Superman flies up, rips the door off, and makes a joke. There's a bomb that's about to explode the woman he secretly loves, but he has time to make a joke. He says something like, uh, I believe this is your floor. She smiles at him, jumps on him, and they fly away as the elevator explodes, and then she's like, I'm not having a good day. That was terrible writing, I thought. I mean, okay, the jets on the elevator, whatever, I can overlook it, you know? But the the, the joke, Superman cracking a joke right before Lois is about to get blown up? Yeah, if I was Lois, I would have jumped in his arms and then smacked the shit out of him. That uh, I felt it was terribly out of place. Absolutely mm-hmm. out of place for Superman to be doing something like that. Especially because there's like, I don't know, four or five seconds left on that timer. Yeah, there's very little time left on that, yeah. So, yeah, uh, more Superman being a dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> um, but hey, we do get Lois in a nighty. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Speaking of her clothing, I actually like the dress she's wearing in the beginning. Her her award ceremony dress. I like when they because Lois oftentimes is in that same outfit. They do that 
thing where she's just always got one model, you know? Yeah. And I yeah. mean, sometimes they change the color a bit. Sometimes, uh, instead of what does she wear, she wears a blue jacket, right? Or purplish. Right, yeah. Sometimes like she's lavender. wearing a red one and this, that. But I like when they take her out of that and you get to see her in some formal wear or a nighty. That's not bad. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, yeah, see, I, I really don't have a lot of notes for this episode. Uh, this is like the episode I have the least amount of notes for. Every other episode I've got tons of notes, but this one is just, it, I don't know, the character of, of Leitner, it just annoys me on many levels. And until he becomes, uh, luminous in our, uh, later on in our episode here, uh, he just annoys the piss out of me. Uh, just because he's, He's got all this, he supposedly lost his job at, at LexCorp. He lost everything, but yet he has all this money for all this ridiculously advanced equipment in this, whatever, garage or warehouse or wherever he is now. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? I, I don't like the character here. I don't like him later. I don't like him, period. I mean, I do like the idea of someone using their brain to beat Superman. Essentially, that's what Lex Luthor does, and I like when they create other characters that can challenge Superman on that level. Great. But I just felt the execution was way off here. Um, Because the character just becomes... Like, at first, you know, you think he's sort of like, oh, hey, Lois, you know, he's Lois's friend, and he's like, hey, it's great to see you, Lois, congrats on the award, blah, blah, blah. But once you figure out he's the villain, he just becomes the insane, single-minded villain. I hate you, Lois. I am going to kill you. Oh, Superman is here. Now I will kill him, and then I will get back to you, Lois. And there's just no depth to this character at all, and it kills me because these writers know how to write good characters, especially great villains. So when I see a weak one like this pop up, it really gets under my skin, and I think I might take an extra point off episodes for it. Because they know better. They know how to write great characters, and they just are not doing it in this episode at all. <laughs> I don't I mean, even know what to say, really, <laughs> to tell the truth, because it, it, it's, it is a lame episode on many levels. Mm. And, it all, and it all revolves around Leitner, sad, sadly. Yeah. Um... I mean, it, don't get me wrong, it has its moments. Again, I like the red herrings. I like how Lois is, Lois is, Lois figures out that it is Lightner. I mean, something he says in the beginning comes back to bite him in the ass. I like that. Um, there's other little things. Uh, there's a sequence in Lois's apartment. Granted, it turns out to be a dream, but I still liked it nonetheless, where we see her award on her nightstand, and previously it got broken, um, well, how did it get broken? Did she drop it or did she break it to use it as a weapon? I don't remember. Well, when the uh, Excalibur, the gigantic glass Excalibur was falling on her, she I think she dropped it while she fell. Okay. Or when Superman like uh, basically just uh, threw himself on her to protect her. Okay, well, whatever. However it broke, when it's on her nightstand in that dream sequence, it's just taped together. It's, it's funny because she's so proud of this award that even though it's broken, she still wants it next to her desk, or her, on, next to her bed on her nightstand. So she just taped it together. I thought that was a really cool little thing, whether that was actually written in the script, or the animators, the storyboarders just threw it in there, I don't know. But, you know, credit to them for doing that. Um, you know, and, and Yeah, sure, there's a few other things along the way, but overall, I think the, the, the writing was really bad. The dialogue didn't work for me in a lot of places. 
Um, I thought the animation in here was terrible. Absolutely yeah. terrible. I mean, did you, did you notice yeah. it, James? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, the explosions in the, again, the warehouse, wherever the hell they are at the end, the final scene, were just god-awful. In particular, that's what I noticed most of all. What what have you? What did you notice in particular? Anything just or overall? It was really just overall. I think it was, if I remember correctly, it was characters being off model, just things being a little stiff, just just nothing really looked right ever in this episode. I wish I could pinpoint one big thing, but really for me, it was everything. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, another thing that gets under my skin, and this has nothing to do with the animation. But it's the idea that these criminals have all these contingency plans. It's like if they're so egotistical to believe that they're going to be able to kill someone in this overly complicated way, are they really going to... Okay, Leitner really thinks that he's going to kill Lois by crushing her, obliterating her, whatever, with that award, the, the, the one hanging above her. But it doesn't work. So it turns out, oh, he's got a remote control on her car. And oh, he's got this. And oh, he's got that. No, 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 no. This is the type of guy whose ego is so big, he would never have a contingency plan. Let alone four. Exactly. He's got them left and right. And it's so irksome. I mean, with certain villains, I'll buy it. I'll buy it with the Joker. You know, um, I, I buy it with the Riddler. Uh, Rachel Ghoul. Rachel Ghoul, sure. Because look at those characters. They're looking for the mind game. All three of them. All, all three that we just named. They're looking not to get Batman with one kill. They're looking to, to bring him down. To show him that they're better than him. And then kill him. But with, with Leitner, he just wants to kill Lois and get it over with. But no, if this doesn't work, I'll do this. And if this doesn't work, I'll do that. No, 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 no. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it when characters like this have so many plans. And then, of course, they, they have the, oh, you just happen to step in the exact right spot so I can shoot these laser this laser beam cage at you trap. <laughs> it, you know, it, it's like when Superman and Loki uh, fell in that pit in, um, mm-hmm, the, in the yeah. Man episode. They just happen to be standing right there. Lois just happens, happens to be standing on the X where the laser beams can trap her. And it's, it's, it's foolish. It's absolutely foolish. And I had another thought, uh, Lois knows martial arts, and then she never. It's never brought up ever again. Oh, really? It doesn't come back. I don't think it does. I I really can't think of a single moment where it comes back up in Superman. I mean, they at the very least they explain why she knows it because her dad was a military man, and it actually does come back into play if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I didn't realize her martial arts never were never used again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, getting back to what you were saying a minute ago, I just, I meant, I meant to say, uh, Leitner is like Jigsaw Light. Ah, yeah. And y'all know how I feel about Jigsaw, so screw this. Or how, how we feel about Jigsaw. That is true. That is true. It is not just me that has a great disdain for that character in franchise. It's, it's a, it's a Earth 2 united front. It pretty much is. I think at this point, if there's anybody on Earth2.net that likes the Saw franchise, I think they might be afraid to say it. <laughs> and yeah. I don't want them to feel that way. If you like it, come out and say you like it, and we'll have a great debate about it, you know? <laughs> I don't want everybody to agree with me all the time. I mean, 
I love it when people disagree with me because then we get conversations. I mean, if James and I agreed on every little point about all these episodes, these would be boring as fuck. But we don't. You know, I think James likes this one a little better than I do, so there are certain little things we disagree about. But we still come together and we, we can have this great conversation. So same thing with the Saw movies. If you like them, let me know. We'll, we'll argue about them. <laughs> I, think, I think the reason that... Uh... I don't mind Leitner so much is because I think they make him into a, uh, a formidable villain in his next appearance. I'll be, now, granted, I'll have plenty, I have plenty of problems with that next episode, but, and we'll get to those later, but I think that they do make him into a guy who could really kick Superman's ass if he has the proper equipment. But, uh, yeah, we'll get to that later. That's prop, that's all I'm saying is that's why I'm not as hard on this episode as I, as you are, as you're going to be. <laughs> Who are you? Like Mummy said, I'm a superior being from the fifth dimension. What do you want with me? Laughs! You see, for centuries now, I've been pitting my interdimensional magic against schmoes who thought they could go 15 rounds with the old master. You know the stories about genies, imps, and leprechauns? <laughs> You? Guilty? After a while, I became bored with your basic rank-and-file human adults, but then you showed up. Superman! You, my friend, are the ultimate challenge! We're gonna have many merry games, you and I! A game has rules. Your stunts are just random idiocy. Okay, I'll give you a rule. You make me say, spell, or otherwise reveal my name backwards, and I'll split until our dimensions come into alignment again in about, oh, three months. Say, give or take. I can't even say your name forward. How am I supposed to say it backward? No, dope! You don't have to say it backward. You have to get me to say it. Say what? Kill Tipsy-Zim! Gosh, you're thick! Now, for the last time... Ah, Next up today is Mixie's Pixelated. Uh, in this episode, the fifth-dimensional imp, Mr. Mixie's Picklick, has made his way to Metropolis, basically making Clark Kent's and Superman's lives utter hell. Um, he goes around and he he goes to a museum. He causes a, like, he causes a car crash first off, and then he just disappears in a puff of smoke. And then later at the Daily Planet. Uh, Jimmy is reading the comics section, and uh, Mixie jumps out of the newspaper uh, while Clark is reading it, but not while Jimmy's reading it, and just like starts causing havoc there. He go, then they go to a muse, another museum opening covered by Lois and Clark, mm-hmm. and uh, Mixie appears there and starts yelling out for McGurk again, McGurk! which is <laughs> McGurk. Yeah, <laughs> great gag. It really is. Um, and he, That's the from the thing- comic, too. That's from the comic. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, and the Thinking Man statue, the famous Rodan uh, statue, uh, was it? Uh, I believe it's the uh, it's either Thinking Man or the Thinker. I can't it's believe I can't remember it. Thinker. Yeah, the Thinker. Uh, he causes the statue to come to life, and they start walking through the museum, and Superman punches the head off of the statue. <laughs> And then we snap back to reality, and Superman has actually punched the head off of the statue. <laughs> like nothing ever happened with Mixie, and they're all everybody there is aghast. And so, yeah, basically, Clark's life is utter hell when this this 
uh, creature comes along. So he takes a trip to Smallville just to get away from all of this this shit, and Mixie appears there and turns the Kents into these bizarre creatures, and Clark is none too pleased about this. So they basically, Mixie and uh, Clark decide to uh, play a little game. If Superman can get Mixie to say, spell, or otherwise reveal his name backwards, he'll leave him alone until the fifth dimension and Earth's dimension cross paths, uh, like... uh, cosmos paths or whatever it is uh which is basically equal to about 90 days uh 90 earth days so after dispatching him several times mixie and soups up the ante so superman can get rid of him forever so that's about it um i don't know about you but i laughed my ass off when i saw this um i have not seen this episode since the very first time it aired uh back Back in the '90s, when the the show was first uh, was going through its first season run, this this was literally the only the second time I've ever seen this episode, and I just had the time of my life watching it. It was so funny. Gil, uh, Gilbert Gottfried might be the most annoying being in existence, but he was born for this role. I love Gilbert Gottfried. He's perfect as he is, and he's perfect here as Mixie. Really quickly, I want to go over the newspaper comic strips here because there's all kinds of inside jokes here. Yeah. Uh, we have the first one that's on the page is Deanie the Meanie. Yeah. Um, by Bill, we miss you. Um, do you know who that's in reference to? I'm assuming it's somebody who left the company or maybe passed away. Yeah, off the top of my head, no, I don't know. No. Okay, I didn't know. I, I was trying to find out maybe online who who it might be, but I couldn't figure it out. Um, what the hell does downhill racing is so very ex- existential mean? <laughs> I don't know why I'm asking you. I'd, maybe, you maybe you'd know, but so, shit. I mean, I'm just assuming every single one of those strips was an inside joke or a tribute. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I have no idea. I have to assume that that's something someone on staff said offhand once, and someone remembered it and turned it into a gag for this episode. I don't know. Then next we have Glean, which was clearly a Charlie Brown parody mm-hmm. by uh, by somebody called Broken English. Um wasn't Glean like a member of the Sinestro Corps? Oh, Glean. You know what? That's Glenn. I think it was uh, shot at Glenn Mirakami. Oh, okay. Um, then after that, we have Dan Danger, which I am... The only thing I can think of, maybe that was a Brewster Rocket Space Guy parody. Uh, I don't know who Harry Thatcher is either, so... Um, the next one was uh, Zub Street by somebody called Dewey Logan. This was... I thought this was pretty funny, though, what was said in, the, in this strip. It was this guy is being interviewed... Uh, I guess for an illustrator's job, and he says, I must say your work looks very modern. The anatomy is atrocious, the composition is weak, the inking is amateurish. You've got the job. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. And then, of course, was the next one was Mixie's uh, comic by one, by Sie- uh, Siegel and Schuster. Mm. Reference to the creators of Superman. Of course. Yep. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And, of course, and, and like they, we were... Hang on. They spend all that time for literally... A one-second gag. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what you know used to be called a VCR gag. Of course, it would now be a DVD gag. Um, more accurately, probably a DVR gag. Um, but yeah, it's amazing how much time they put into just something that's on screen for maybe ninety seconds. Not not ninety seconds. Excuse me, a second and a half. Ooh, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what were you going to say? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, I was going to. Uh, I was going to lead into what we were talking about McGurk earlier. Uh, as as Mixie goes around the city, uh, uh, ruining Superman's life, he's yelling for 
McGurk the whole time, which is a uh, reference to his first appearance in the comic books. Yeah, I so, believe that whole thing is just lifted directly. Mm-hmm. The car, the statue, everything. So. Yep. But um, I find, what I found a bit odd, though, was that when Superman punches McGurk, or the Thinker, uh, the Thinker's hollow. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. Yeah, go back and look at it, because you, you can see, I mean, he knocks the head off, so you can see inside the neck. It isn't a, pe- a solid piece of marble or whatever. It's 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 hollow. <laughs> I'm going to get into all kinds of things that made me laugh my ass off here. Uh, well, bef- you know, before I even go, go into that, uh, we got Streaky. Yes, we do. In, in the uh, Kent's household. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had another artistic uh, reference with American Gothic. <laughs> Uh, with uh, Mixie putting the Kents into that into the American Gothic uh, oh, painting, yeah. yeah, that was that was great. <laughs> yeah, we get we get some other uh, comic book uh, homages, not just Streaky. Lois is turned into a horse later on. That of course happened to her in the comics. I think it was Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane. Uh, Jimmy gets turned into a turtle for a while. He had this whole turtle boy thing going on. Go go look it up. I'm not even going to begin to explain it. Um, so those were obvious references. At the end of the episode, um, we get to see a monkey in a Superman costume. That's obviously Pippo. So they, these guys were taking every opportunity to pay tribute to the, uh, you know, the Superman Zoo family, whatever they're called. So that, that that shows you what hardcore fans these guys are. They're like, "Ooh, we remember Lois was a horse, so let's make her a horse in here." Horse of course. <laughs> oh man! Once Superman gained the upper hand at, uh, and started outsmarting Mixie at every turn, this episode was just hysterical. Uh, the he's like, he's they make the game where he has to say his name backwards, and uh, he's like, "Say what?" And, of course, it's very simple to start off with, and he fools, he just momentarily fools Mixie, and he says, and he's like, ah, oh, nuts! <laughs> and he just disappears. And then, before he appears the next time, we see Clark shaving himself with his heat vision through a mirror. And I thought it was kind of weird, because he had a razor there anyway. Yeah, yeah. Opens up that cabinet, and sure enough, there is a razor in there. Uh, what you Although, I think, I think if he tried to use that razor, though, the, razor's, the razor would, like, break because of his Kryptonian chin hair. <laughs> well, maybe maybe Professor Hamilton made the blade out of kryptonite. <laughs> I think that'd be doing more harm than good. I it? know, I know. It's like the whole <laughs> condom thing. You know, it's oh, yeah. really worth it just to get laid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And then uh, the next time Mixie appears, uh, that that's when they're in the Daily Planet. Or was it... Is it when they're in the Daily Planet and then uh, Clark is sitting at his desk typing and he types up this hideously grammatically terrible or like this this press report riddled with spelling errors and Mixie appears and he's like, well, look, I really got to do this. Uh, you want to just meet me on the roof in twenty minutes if you really want to fight? And he's like, I'll I'll do it for you. And he like crosses off all the the wrong letters and it spells his name backwards and he disappears again. <laughs> um, I don't know if that was the the right order though, but then. Uh, I, I laugh my ass off at it again. But oh. that gets me in my main point of this episode. I think this episode was, besides all the uh, homages to the the classic comics, it was their excuse to write a full-fledged comedy episode. Pretty much so, because that's all this is. I mean, there's a couple of points where Superman does lose his temper, 
uh, when Mixie attacks the Kents, he gets really pissed off. And, you know, the last time they're together before their final battle, Superman just becomes totally indifferent. Like, whatever, you know? I give up. Um, right. But for the most part, yeah, it's just one laugh after another. And it does a really good job of just being a laugh-a-minute comedy riot. I mean, that's what this episode set out to be, and it did it very well, and they did it with the right character. I mean, you couldn't do this with Livewire. You couldn't do it with Luthor. You can't even do that with the Joker. You really can't. Uh, but with Mixie, sure, you absolutely can do it. And what I like about this one is that, yeah, it's an episode, but it's really just a whole bunch of vignettes connected. Yeah. I mean, because this whole episode takes place over, like, a year, if you think about it. These battles yeah, are like- three months apart. So the last battle with Mixie has happened after all these other episodes have already happened. <laughs> we assume. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I like that, that they were able to, again, just tie these little scenes together into one big episode. And it, what made it better is that Mixie never really gets the upper hand on Clark, ever. Clark's always just owning him left and right. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great because, again, Superman has to use his brain here, and it shows you that, yes, he can. You know, he can't punch this magical little imp. He just can't do it. So well, how's he going to do it? Well, he's got to fight him with his smarts, so that's what he does. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think my fav- one of my favorites, if not, it might not be my favorite, but, you know, I'll, I'll say it's one of my favorites, is the whole thing with the battle suit. They spend five minutes building up Mixie and this Mixie-Superman fight where, where Mixie's in a battle suit and Superman Superman. And we never see the fight. Mixie leaves his house, and then he comes back, and he's just like, ratzel, fratzel, blah, 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 you know, doing the whole Popeye-speak thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was great. I thought that was great storytelling. Just be like, yeah, we're not going to show you this. You know what happened. Superman beat him up. You know, maybe <laughs> punched him once. Maybe punched the robotic suit once or twice, because he can get away with punching a robotic suit. There's another robot. There's a robot alert. Um, yep. And- but what was, what was even better about that is how... Uh, 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 I guess Petlisnez, his girlfriend or whatever, uh, set it up five, yeah. four, three, and then he appears again, yeah. <laughs> defeated yet again. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know what happens. There was no need to show it. So I like the fact that they spent so much time with Mixie in the fifth dimension with his girlfriend or wife or whatever she is, because I dare not pronounce her name. Um, I can barely say, okay, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. Mixius, oh, God, because he says it. He says it's mix is spit lick. So Mixie yes. Spitlick, Mixie, Mixie, Mixie Spitlick, Mixie, yeah. Mixie Pitlick, Mixie Pitlick, is that it? Mixie Spitlick. Okay, now what's the girlfriend's name? Gizpetlesnez. 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 Gizlesnez. Gizpetlesnez. Well, you forgot the T, but oh, yeah, no. this, we could go on like this for hours. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I was getting at, is that I, I like that we get to see his world, his home life, you know, and we just get to see what it's like, and we get to see that she is this hypersexual being. That she just oozes sexuality. Yeah, and she and he's having you no know, part of it. And you know, I love seeing the calendar go by, so we get to see his months. What are they? Pants. Pants. George and relish. <laughs> <laughs> On the thirtieth day of pants, yeah. Mixie will build a robot that will fail miserably. Yeah, I mean that is awesome. And one of the things I like to think about her, the girlfriend whose name I dare not pronounce at another time. Just um, say Gisby. That's how he. That's Gisby. what Mixie calls her. That's, Gisby. Yeah. Is I like to think that she's a cyclops because we never see two eyes on her. 
there's hair always over one of her eyes. So I have this theory that she's a cyclops. <laughs> I can't prove it. It's just a theory. Are you sure? Because when when she was rapidly changing her costumes back and like uh, over and over again, oh, I think when she was in the bath towel. Oh yeah. I think we saw her eyes oh, there. Shucks, 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 shucks. I like the <laughs> idea of her being a a cyclops because I thought that'd be the type of girl Mixie would go for. Is one yeah, bad that would... one eye. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, this was it was like Wiley e. Coyote trying to defeat and capture the Roadrunner. Mm-hmm. Really. Um. But one thing I have to ask about that suit, that battle suit, why would Mixie ever have to build that? He could just snap his fingers and create the, that thing. Yeah, that's but I love the zipper. I do love the zipper. <laughs> what was on there? There was a zipper. There was a salad fork, yeah. a knife. There was like an old school shotgun on the or a rifle on the shoulder mm-hmm. um, <laughs> with a dome helmet. I mean, yeah. it was just this absurdly drawn. And it had the big M on the chest, the big M. We got yeah. <laughs> It's just this absurdly drawn piece of armor, and it's it's perfectly mixy. It's it's so hilarious. Um, what else about this one? Um, <laughs> the last time he appears in Metropolis, and, and Clark's just sitting there tapping his pencil, and uh, Lois walks by, and then she the, a penguin walks by both of them. He's like, and she's like, "Was that a penguin?" Afraid so. Yeah. And, and then all the, they start turning into animals. He's like, "Here we go." It's just, he's so just nonchalant about it. It just sells it so, so well. Um, it's like, and, uh, we, you know, eventually, uh, like you were saying earlier, he, he becomes just completely indifferent. He, he's further tricking Mixie, just getting him all pissed up, pissed off and riled up. And they, he leaves the Daily Planet and it starts fly, they start flying all over the city. Mixie turns into a fighter jet and starts shooting him, but Clark stops him and then, then he turn, Mixie turns himself into a kryptonite warheaded missile. Yeah, with a little kryptonite hat. Don't forget the kryptonite hat. Yes, yes, the little purple hat still sitting on top of him at all times. No, but it turns green when his, when the missile becomes kryptonite. Oh, that's right, it does. green too, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And, you know, the Clark, or Superman flies all over the city with Mixie uh, behind him at all all moments, uh, and eventually Mixie flies right into the back of him, which weakens him to the point where he falls onto a rooftop. And uh, we see that uh, and Mixie thinks he's won. He's all celebrating. He's like, "I beat you!" And and Superman says, "No, you didn't, loser." Turns his head around. Uh, he's like, "What does he say?" Is it was like. Um, Oh, shoot my monkey or something like that. Yeah, it's something really weird, yeah. And we see that he skywrote his own name backwards twice. twice. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, of course, he amended the rules. It could no longer be one time. It had to be two times. Mm-hmm. And Superman got him to do it. I, but I love that when Superman grabs him by the head, twists his neck around, and he's just like, no, loser. Loser. <laughs> like, he really <laughs> emphasizes that loser. And, you know, that's normally something Superman wouldn't do. Oh, no. But he, because he's so frustrated at this point, this is like the fourth or fifth visit from this little freaky imp guy, he's finally just going to give in and just be like, okay, I, I got it. I, I just got to let loose a little. And if, So he called him loser, and I, I thought it was great, you know. <laughs> and I liked, oh, yeah. I liked what he, uh, what Superman was saying to him before they left the planet uh when mixie was like if you don't beat me or if you don't do what i say i'm gonna tell everybody in the world who you are and superman's like go ahead i'll find another secret identity 
<laughs> you know, and I mean, later on, of course, you know it was all part of the ruse. But at this, but at that moment, you're like, you understand that if this is real, you get how frustrated Superman is at this guy. Oh, that yeah. he's just willing to throw away the Clark Kent life, go elsewhere, and become John Smith of Cincinnati, Ohio. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I loved it. I thought it was really strong writing. Just like whatever, do whatever you want. Let's get this over with. But speaking of that scene, that final scene at the Daily Planet. Was that Angela Chen sitting at one of their desks? Yes, thank you. I, that was something I wanted to bring up. She was sitting there, and I I was like, she doesn't work for the planet. I, thank you for noticing that. I, I was, yeah. And and furthermore, she's on. She's a, a TV reporter, mm-hmm. a broadcaster. She's not a, a, a writer like Lois Lane or Clark Kent. Right, yeah. So, yeah, that didn't make sense at all. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. God damn, this was a fun episode. It is. It really is. Um, and when Mixie turns Lois into the horse, is there a Super friend sound? There's a sound effect, a magic sound effect, that for whatever reason I associate with Super Friends. And I, I think I know what you're talking about. And yes, I believe it is from the Super Friends okay. series. If, if, if any of our listeners know, if they're more familiar with this episode, write in and either confirm or deny what we think we may have heard. Because maybe it was the, the sound effect they used to use on Mixie back in that cartoon. I don't know. But when I heard that, I'm like, it's so terribly out of place. That has to be from Super Friends. So, I don't know. Well, there were, well, there were a lot of Super Friends references here. Uh, you know, back when they were, uh, back in the first Daily Planet scene where he's reading the newspaper comic strips, he's like, Mr. Mixelplick? Oh, yeah. That was how they, pr- that was how they pronounced it back in the Super Friends days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, there's another little reference to way back in the day. Yeah. Paul Dini must have loved this episode. Well, didn't he write this one? I mean. <laughs> I, I mean, this this had to be one of his favorite episodes to do. Yeah. Because this, I, I can imagine this episode would be being just absolutely a blast to do, to write, to animate, to voice act, everything. And then to have it work, too, because, I mean, you could write a masterful script, but then in the storyboarding, in the direction, in the voice acting, something could fall, or something could unravel, and it just ruins the whole show. You know what I'm saying? But it, everything worked. The animation was strong. The writing was great. The voice acting was spot on. Uh, just, just everything about this. I mean, there's really, there's few things I would point at and go, that was wrong and that was wrong. And they'd be really nitpicky little things. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything really did come together to make this a great episode. Hey, what about Dad's old coat? This should fit him. Sarita and Bobby, right? Who are you? My name is Lois Lane. I'm a newspaper reporter. I'd just like to ask you a few questions. About what? About that robot. The one that saved that trucker's life a few days ago. Someone said you might have been there. They lied. I'll just put that down as a no comment. Next up is action figures, and this one is the return of Metallo. Um, what happens is... Um, we were on this island with these uh, two little kids by the name of Bobby and Sarita. And uh, they're on this island, this volcanic island, because their dad is a researcher. This, uh, this volcano is about to erupt, and, of course, they're wanting to, the scientists are wanting to study it. And the kids are bored, so they're playing on the shoreline and whatnot. Um, and Bobby, he's playing with, 
his action figures and his sister wants to play, but he's like, go play with your dolly. So he shoes her away and she's sitting there pouting on a rock. And as she's doing this, she sees basically what looks like the Terminator walking out of the sea. And of course we know it's Metallo and, uh, she befriends him. She, she ends up befriending him. And, uh, so does Bobby. Uh, they're scared of him at first, naturally. I mean, it's this big, scary metal robot guy. Uh, but they end up befriending him because, uh, the, the robot Metallo actually ends up saving Sarita's life. She falls and he catches her. So they think maybe he's a good guy. Uh, and the thing with Metallo here is that he can't quite remember who he is. He has these little flashes of, of memories of, of, you know, the explosion on Luther's boat, how he ended up in the water, uh, fighting Superman. But ultimately it doesn't all come together at once. It comes back to him very slowly. Um, and, uh, what happens is Metallo ends up saving a truck, uh, and a truck driver. And w- the truck driver, he makes it off the island and he goes to the police and the press and he says, Hey, I, this robot guy saved me over on that island. And Lois and Clark think, Hmm, could this be Metallo? They go to investigate. Of course, it is Metallo. And at this point, Metallo has his memories back. He remembers that he hates Superman. And by the time Lois and Superman show up, a fight ensues. And Superman has to dispatch Metallo one more time. Yep. Um, so thoughts about this one? I really don't know what to think of this episode, to tell you the truth. It's – I have a grade written down for it, mm-hmm. but I don't even – I'll probably just divert from it completely as we discuss this. It has some great moments, uh, like Superman ripping his heart out. Yes. Good lord. Yeah. <laughs> I mean – they can get away with it because he's a robot and it's yeah. kryptonite. But make no mistake, he canoed that guy. <laughs> I mean, if you know Mortal Kombat, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he canoed that. He canoed Metallo. And, but he kept working. I thought the second you took the kryptonite out, Metallo yeah. kept working. That was my question because after about fifteen minutes, I think he's supposed to just shut down. I didn't know how long it took, but I I, I thought it was instant actually. Yeah. They kind of they kind of address this in uh, JLU. There's a Supergirl in, episode, right? Right, where they where Green Lantern and Supergirl uh, go down into the Earth's core, and they, the, the Kryptonite's removed from Metallo, and Lantern's like really just using it against him, like interrogating him basically, and it's and that's what I was going on from here. I was like, well, because uh, John Stewart there says, what? How much power do you think you're going to have left? Fifteen minute, an hour? One minute, you know. So, yeah, it's kind of ambiguous. We don't really know how long he survives without the kryptonite. Um, he does have a uh, – Metallo does have one very, very cool line. I'd give you a kiss if I still had my lips. Yeah, I wrote that down. That's a badass line. Because uh, it harkens back to the way he pretty much almost raped her when they first met up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, this is why you shouldn't have felt sorry for him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I still regret having said it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what my problem is with this episode. I don't think it's a terrible episode by any stretch of the imagination. I don't, yeah, I don't either. But this episode, to me, is very much like um, Mad as a Hatter. It's good until Superman shows up. Because I like the stuff with the kids. I love the stuff with the kids, as a matter of fact. I think the ki- I love the interactions between the siblings. Um, I love how little Bobby protects his sister. Um, there's the scene where Lois shows up at the house after she finds out that the kids were seen with the robot. Mm-hmm. And when Lois shows up, 
um, the front door is open, and she's like, hey, I'm Lois Lane, I'm a reporter. And Bobby takes this very, now mind you, he's like maybe, what, six, seven years old, you know? He takes mm-hmm. this very strong defensive position. He puts one foot forward, and it's a very man of the house, who the hell are you, lady type position. And his sister, she kind of half ducks behind a wall. She's going to cower because they know they're doing something wrong by hiding this robot man. They don't know he's bad, but they're still hiding this thing. And then there's this stranger in the house. Uh, so they're really nervous about what's going on. They, they, you know, they know someone's going to come looking for this guy, and someone finally has. So I, I liked how they animated those two. Again, I liked how they played off of each other. Um, I like how Metallo... Uh, was trying to figure out who he was. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? I mean, he helps, he saves Sarita's life. He, you know, pulls the truck from, uh, uh, he, from over the edge and then pulls the driver out and then kicks the truck over the side of the mountain. So, or the cliff, pardon me. So this way it can explode safely in the water. Um, it, there's all this great stuff, all this great stuff. And then Superman shows up and it becomes a Superman episode. Yeah. Because we also, Metallo, Really, once he regains all of his memories, he becomes a really great manipulative bastard. Yeah, making well, up that story about being a a, yeah. a century from the galic from like far beyond our galaxy, and he was sent here to warn Earth about this great danger, but nobody would listen to him, and it was it was like, wow, this is really really cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to think about this episode as a whole because I think your your uh, parallel to Matt as a Hatter is spot on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you like Matt as a Hatter, so I don't mean to continue to bash that. But you see what I'm saying? No, 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 no. I, I fully admit that's that's the, the I fully admit that's the, a huge flaw with that episode. Right. I mean, it's a great episode, and then it becomes a Batman episode, and that's what happens here. Great episode with these kids and Metallo, and I understand it can't stay that the whole episode. I get that Superman has to show up, but what I'm saying is, it's like one Superman showed up, they relied on it being Superman. Oh, think about it this. Think about it this way. I should say. Remember, I have a lot of I have a lot of gripes with the Joker episodes from Batman the Animated Series, and I said I think those episodes were generally weaker because the the producers, the 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 the, the animators, whatever, they got it in their head that I don't know that the Joker would just carry the episode, even if it was a weaker script. Mm-hmm. And I think once Superman showed up on the scene, they kind of had that mentality again, like. Oh, Superman's here, so we don't have to keep up all this great characterization. We can just go into this fight with him and Metallo, and it really loses something. I mean, when when it when when he shows up and they start fighting in the lava, it loses so much. It's a good yeah. fight, but it doesn't mesh well with the rest of the episode. That's well, why so I have a problem with it. Because cool fight, cool characterization, but they don't come together to make a great episode. No, and then when Superman and Metallo are fighting in the lava. Superman should have died. Thank the, he's he's being poisoned by kryptonite, and his his face is in a, a pool of lava. He should be dead. Yeah, we have seen, we have seen that a piece of kryptonite can cause Superman to have a mere mortal beat him up. What was it? Was it a, a little piece of home? Was that the episode? That was it. Where yep. the guy with the jetpack, yep. he, he starts beating up on Superman, and Superman is getting owned seriously and he's he's only in front of that kryptonite for maybe 30 seconds at best you know and truly he becomes super weak after like five six seven seconds and the guy's just beating him up beating him up to the point where superman has to resort to throwing himself and the guy off a building it's basically a kamikaze move he's lucky they both lived you know to save his hide that's what he had to do but here yeah metallo's got this kryptonite inches from superman's face 
and lava's pouring on his head. He's getting dunked in lava. It was, I, I was seriously like, what is going on? The chest plate is open. It's, it's not closed. I mean, I, I seriously was like, his, 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 he should look like Clayface at this point. He should just be yeah. all mushy and scarred like Two-Face and just, oh. Yeah, it, it seriously irked me that that kryptonite barely seemed to affect him. Mm-hmm. And I, I use barely lightly. You know, it, it didn't affect at all. At all. Yeah, it, yeah, really. Now, having said that, though, uh, that was one cool as hell ending. Yes. Uh, because we have Metallo stuck in this uh, in the lava that has now hardened, and he's willing himself to stay awake because he knows if he go if he loses consciousness, he's he's dead. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, and I loved how now we have more char- deeper characterization because he's learning from his mis- his past mistakes, and he's becoming more uh, resourceful and you know smarter and with with because uh, he he wants he wants revenge on Superman now more than any even more than Luthor now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that another another creepy cool way to end the Metallo episode. Yeah, I mean just the fade to black with the glowing eye. And what's he saying? Remember. It's, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, it was so damn cool. Um, you know, but again, there's, there's other little things that, that detract from that, from little, the, the cool moments like that, there's things that detract from that. Like, uh, when the volcano first starts to erupt, it has like a small eruption. There's mm-hmm. all these big rocks falling down and Superman just starts punching them all willy nilly, never minding that the small rocks could just as easily kill the people that are below. Yeah. Because he flies up into the air to start punching them instead of just staying on the ground and punching yeah, them as they yeah, fall towards him. Yeah, he doesn't stay there and just start swatting them away. He's punching them, creating all these smaller but still deadly rocks. I mean, those guys have to run for their lives because Superman's being careless. It's, it's things like that where they're showing Superman not thinking. I mean, you get an episode like the Mixie episode where Superman has to use his brain to beat this character. And you can see that Superman can do that. But here, when he just has to think about what he's actually doing, he can't do that. He, he, he somehow lost the ability to realize that punching a big rock and creating smaller rocks is just as deadly, if not more deadly, than the one big rock. Yeah, because now you have more things to avoid. Right, exactly. I mean, okay, sure, the one coming down was the size of maybe like a VW bug, right? But when he punches it, now they're the size of footballs. Well, I'm sorry, if a football-sized rock hits you in the head, you're dead. You're dead. And Superman just doesn't give a shit about it. He's just knocking everything all over the place. It's, 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 like I said, it just, it just, when Superman doesn't use his brain, it pisses me off. Yeah. You know, and then some people might call it a nitpick, and if they do, so what? I don't really care. There's another little thing where I'm not saying it's bringing the episode down, but I have to draw attention to it. When Lois is walking around the island, she picks up uh, Bobby's drawing, or I have to assume it's Bobby's drawing, of quote-unquote Steel Man, which I thought was a cute thing that the kids named him instead of Tin Man. You know, they throw out Tin Man, but they're like, no, he's like Superman's. We'll call him the Man of Steel or the Steel Man. Well, anyways, when Lois picks up the drawing, we see this robotic figure with these glowing green eyes and a green oval on the chest. But at that point, Bobby hadn't seen the kryptonite chest. So it's a little discontinuity. Um, Again, I'm not going to bring the score down because of it, but it's got to be mentioned that it is an error. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one moment when Superman and Metallo were fighting that Metallo just punches Superman right in the face. It was like 
that was brutal. Is that when he knocks the just, helmet off of him? Yeah, yeah, that was it. God, he just he punched him so hard that the lead that his lead uh, helmet just shattered. Yeah. It was, that was like, wow. Yeah, because <laughs> that, that was cool. Yeah, it was one of those things where he hits him. I mean, he uppercuts him right in the in the face plate, and then he he follows through with that uppercut, and the helmet just goes. It, it doesn't just doesn't like fall off or shatter. It goes flying off his head. I mean, I thought it was a really great way to demonstrate how powerful Metallo is that he could rip to shred that that costume to shreds with just a punch, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of that, how weak is that costume? That thing is always getting fucked up. Yeah, acid. Um, well, we haven't seen the acid yet. That'll come in a well, couple. Well, we'll get there right. soon enough. Right, but acid, lava, a punch. I mean, can Professor Hamilton not create a suit that can withstand the blows of Superman's villains, for Christ's sakes? Especially because Martha Kent can apparently sew together a costume that's <laughs> practically invincible. I didn't even think about that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that is really good. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, Lana Lana says it. Let me guess, Martha sewed it for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I trust Lana in this in this show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, oh, what else man. about this one? I really don't have a lot else to say about this one because it's like you said, once once Superman arrives, it's just one big fight scene around lava and I and I think another parallel we can draw to the Mad as a Hatter is with the ending. I think I liked the very ending of the Mad as a ha- as, of Mad as a Hatter, and I really liked the very ending here. Mm-hmm. We get that last okay, you know, it kind of it trailed off there at the end, but you know, at least it didn't leave a complete sour taste in your mouth. There was a uh, it, they ended it in a, a neat little way because in Mad as a Hatter they ended it with him quoting uh, Alice in Wonderland, and he was all depressed and dejected, and I liked it. And I liked it here where Metallo is basically trying, is desperately trying to stay alive. So, yeah. Now, there's one thing I want to say that I liked about this episode in a weird way, and I'm not sure if it's an homage or not. But Metallo, you know, he's, as you said, he's claiming to be this intergalactic guardian, and, you know, he needs to see the world leaders, and people want to hurt him, and blah, blah, blah. So he needs a costume. So the kids run home, and they get their dad's trench coat, a scarf, sunglasses, if I'm not mistaken, yep. and a hat. Now, if you think about that costume, that's what the Thing used to wear in the early issues of Fantastic Four when he was still very ashamed of the way he now looked as the Thing. Same exact right. thing, a trench coat, a scarf, sunglasses, and a hat. And these guys being huge Jack Kirby fans, I have to wonder if that costume that Metallo wore was supposed to be an homage to the costume the Thing used to wear. Or, not, you know, the disguise, we'll say. Um, I would not be at all surprised. Because, and, and the thing is, it, it looks really silly on the Thing, but it looks even sillier on Metallo, because you can still see his kind of chicken-like robotic legs, and you can still see, you know, his, his the robotic... Uh, teeth. Yeah, the teeth are there. You know, you can still see the... The, I, I want to say flesh, but that's not right. The metal around the, you know, uh, around the glasses and whatnot. You can still see his fingers. It does nothing to hide that this thing's a robot, but it's, it's but it's silly, and you kind of have to just laugh at it, you know. So if there's one thing in this episode that made me laugh and smile, besides the kids, the way they were animated, the way they interacted, I'm glad it was there was something else. Is what I'm trying to say. There was one other thing I wanted to, I, I forgot to mention. It was uh, when Lois. Uh, is now on the island and she's uh, encountered Metallo. 
And Lois is yelling at him, like, let go of me, you walking waffle iron. And Mattel's like, now, now, not in front of the children. I think the last thing I want to say about this one is uh, previously in World's Finest Podcast, I've mentioned how Jenny hates Metallo. Absolutely Mm -hmm. hates this guy. Well, the second she realized that I was watching a Metallo episode, all she did was she just, like, she was reading a book. She looks up from the book because she heard his voice. She looks up from the book, and she's like, boo! Poor little parasite. I've been where you are. Locked away in a cell. All alone. No one to see. No one to touch. And all because of Superman. Superman. But we could take care of him, you and I. And then, when we're done, maybe I'll give you a little taste. Of my power, I mean. Yeah. Sure, whatever you say. Our next episode is Double Dose. Uh, in this episode, Livewire escapes uh, the penitentiary where she's being held thanks to this uh, doofy janitor who probably has a room temperature IQ. <laughs> and uh, she frees Parasite in hopes of finally destroying Superman. So they basically make a, a – uh, they team up and Parasite, I don't know, tries to molest her about a dozen times or something and – uh, the, the Parasite ends up siphoning her energy for himself, and he goes around chasing Superman, and that's really about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, you already know how I feel about this episode. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this one, there were so many better team-ups they could have done than Parasite and Livewire. Parasite and anybody else, really. But Livewire, oh, not again, not so soon. And it's just one pun after the next with her. It's like they don't give her, okay, in the beginning when she's talking to the dopey janitor, they try to give her the semi-serious, oh, I'm lonely, pity me dialogue. But you know it's just a ruse. So you don't buy into it. But every other line is, is just a really bad joke or play on words. And it's fine. Once in a while that works, but all the time from the same character with this annoying voice and annoying personality, by the time Rudy siphons the power off of her, I was like, good, she's done. She's not going to be in this episode anymore. Well, besides, except that she was, yeah, yeah, we still do (laughs) see her at the end, but Uh it's just, Oh, she's so annoying. And then, and then Rudy, what happened to him? She's all like, oh, this is the bone they gave you? It's not a bone they gave him. That's what he asked for. And then she's like, hey, how about we go kick some ass? Okay, I'll just go with you, humper dumper do. And apparently he's a sexual predator now, too. Yeah, and that's the other thing. That's what I was getting from that. Every time he's near her, he has this look on his face. Like, whoa, that's creepy and not in a good way. Yeah, I mean, he's his tongue is virtually wagging. Like, oh, pussy, mm-hmm. oh, I gotta break off a piece of that. And... And you're right. I mean, he's just trying to siphon his powers, but it's very clear what they're trying to imply, that it's a rape. And I mean, when he finally does get her powers, he says, that's the last time you'll say no to me. And there's other little, yeah, there's other little hints that this episode is supposed to have some sexual innuendo. And I don't mean the scene in the prison where she's teasing all the guys. Oh, no, no. I know what you're about to say. The Superman and the giant condom. Yeah. Yeah. He flies in in this giant plastic body condom body condom and she's like oh look the boy scout brought protection like 
there are so many sexual innuendos, and they're not even subtle. They're just blatant. It's like a pie in your face. They're not. They're not like in uh, the Lana Lang episode where there was like, oh, that's kind of funny, or wow, that's that's really funny, or right. hey, that's kind of cool. Right? Yeah. It's, <laughs> no, this is just overt, stupid. Yeah, like oh, they're implying that the parasite wants to rape her. Okay, this is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say though that I did like the animation. <laughs> that's about. That's about all I can say. Well, yeah, the electricity effect is really cool, and the parasite's demise. Whoa! That was creepier than when he transformed into the parasite, I felt. Yeah, because Clark, or Superman, is, like, running away from him. He's all weakened, and then he he closes the door, because he even he doesn't want to see what's about to happen mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. Man, all these gruesome things happen to Rudy, and, you know, and for the first time, I'm glad it happened, yeah. because by, by the end of this episode, I was like, all right, please stop the pain. Mm-hmm. Just put the pain on somebody else. Yeah, I mean, Ooh. in the other episodes, it's, you know, he he got he fell into this bad situation, and, you know, he's being used. But here, it's just, he just goes along with the program. Why? I, I, I never fully, sure, okay, he wanted her power. Okay, I get it. But he was never really portrayed in this manner, being this kind of sexual predator, being... Just a, a tag along, you know. Once he got his powers, he was his own man. But now all of a sudden, he's willing to be part of a duo. I didn't buy it. Yeah, well, and that's my main problem with Parasite. They never get this character right mm. ever. It's all he's always something different. Yeah, he's he's a good guy, or he, first he's a good guy, then he's a he's a, a full fledged bad guy, then he he's sort of. He's sympathetic, and you know you feel bad for him being thrown into thrown into this bad situation. Then he's a sexual predator, and then late, later on, I'm sure he'll be—I don't know—maybe he'll be a rodeo clown or yeah. something. I don't know. <laughs> but then then they go into Justice League, and then he's a full fledged bad guy again. Mm. It's just like there's no continuity to this character at all. And this is a show that's supposed to be full of continuity, mm-hmm. and it just it just aggravates the hell out of me. Yeah, I, and another and you know another question I have: Why does Parasite always conveniently lose his memory of Superman after every fight he has? With yeah, him? yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like if you're gonna have a character figure out the secret identity, go with it, just run with it, give, give him the ball and go. Don't have this. Oh, he got amnesia storyline again and again and again. It's way too convenient. I don't know what else to say about this one. I've got more notes, but it's one of those things where I just don't even care. Yeah, this episode is so linear that we don't, it's not, there's no depth to it at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's there. You know what the innuendos are, you know what it's supposed to be about, and it it just didn't work on any level. One of the things I'll admit to finding kind of interesting, I'm not even going to say liked, was that Rudy grabs Superman, so he gets his power. And then he grabs Livewire, so he gets her power. So he's got the strength and flight and all that of Superman, and he's got the electricity powers. So it sort of made me think of that era where Superman was that blue electricity guy. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was sort of, again, interesting, maybe neat. I'll, maybe I'll, Yeah, there we go. I'll say neat. I'll go as far to say neat. But uh, this this episode is just, I don't know. I mean, it's it's got its moments. Again, the end with Rudy. You know, the fact that they bring up the TV again. That was funny. Um, mm-hmm. 
I don't know. Say something about this one because I just don't know what to say. Um, let's see. I think the best way I can sum up this episode is waste of time. Yeah. Really, that's what it boils down to. Because they just Parasite could be an I wouldn't say an epic villain because I reserve that only for people like Raish and Darkseid and the like, yeah. but. But, like, he could be a very, very good villain for Superman, and they just cannot get him get him a character. It's always something different. And it, yeah, that, again, like I said, this whole episode, just especially, and then you, team, then you team him up with Livewire, who I cannot stand at all, and it's just, it, that, it's, it, this episode really is a double dose, a double dose of utter pain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'll mention a couple of things. I'm looking at my notes here, and I see a couple of things that I did like about this, and I'll, and I'll throw them out there. There's this scene where Rudy's escaping from the jail, and he's in the boat, and Superman, you know, zooms under the boat, and he picks it up. Well, it's a police boat, so there's guns in there. So Rudy, knowing he can't reach around the side of the boat to grab Superman, he shoots through the boat and tries to stick his hand through to grab Superman to absorb some of his power. That was really mm-hmm. cool. It showed that the character had smarts. Um, at the end, when Rudy's laying there comatose, uh, Superman says something to Turpin. I don't remember what. And Turpin's like, eh, he's oatmeal. Like, that's a funny line. Um, yeah. But but everything else about this episode is so bad, it, it kind of overshadows those things. And I mean, you know, if I'm going to talk about the little things, I mean, because we've mentioned the big things we don't like. If we're, but if mm-hmm. I'm going to mention the little things that I sort of liked, I got to mention other little things that I didn't like and or just didn't get. Like the guards at the power plant have laser guns. Like, why would guards at a power plant have laser guns? Because they weren't the SU, they were the guards. Yeah, I don't know. You know, and then and then at the end, where would Superman get his cape? He flew in in the condom without his cape, and then all of a sudden he's got his cape again. It's just those little bits like that don't help an already bad episode. <sighs> I I don't know. <laughs> I, I I've I give I've given up trying to explain anything in this episode because it just annoys me to no end. Yeah, and you know, here's another thing. I'm looking at my notes again. This Livewire girl, who's ever voicing her, she can barely deliver her lines. There's one scene where she's trying to explain to Superman what she wants, and she's like, "I want justice. I want revenge." I want your life. And, I mean, she says it with, like, that same amount of life and disinterest. I mean, that's that should be something where she's screaming it, and she's just, like, pumping all this energy into Superman, trying to, like, just kill him. But the delivery is just not there. Lois! I can't hang on for long. The tram's too heavy. Just wait, Superman. This is only the beginning. Lightner. It's luminous now. Tell me, Superman, feeling a little under the weather? Quick, give me your hand. Yes, tend to Lois. This was just a test. You'll realize what I've done to you in time. See you soon, even if you don't see me. Lastly is solar power. Um, in this one, what's his face? Edward Lightner. He comes back. Already, they're already double dipping. Oh my god! Oh, but anyway, so yeah, so Lois is stalker. He gets out of jail by turning himself invisible. He's bending light around himself. Um, it's basically 
Um, similar to, it's similar to that technology that the child molester and that Ceno evil episode of Batman had. Um, it's yeah. similar, but it's different. It doesn't have the plastic suit, but it's doing the whole bending the light thing. And he's able to use that to get out of prison. And after he does that, um, instead of going after Lois, he's really going after Superman this time. Yes, he attacks Lois, but as he said, he's just using her for bait. Um, and it's, it's this really stormy night and, uh, Clark is sitting at his desk. And this is, uh, something I was mentioning earlier. We get to see Clark be Superman when no one's looking, but he's still in Clark mode. And, uh, he's sitting at his desk and he drops his pencil. And instead of just bending over and picking up his pencil, he tries to pick up the desk to just then casually grab the pencil. But as he does that, he hurts his arm and he doesn't understand how he could have just hurt his arm lifting something as light as a desk or relatively speaking. Um, and that's the first clue that something weird is going on. Like I said, Lois gets in some trouble, um, and Superman's got to go save her, and he ba- he's barely able to save her because she's on, like, one of those uh, cable car or tram things, whatever they're called, and uh, there's a laser beam, again, cutting the steel cable, and uh, Superman can't hold it up. It's, he's, he just doesn't have the strength, and he forces Lois to jump, and he grabs her, and they fly away, and uh, Lightner, he's all like, oh, Superman, this is only the beginning. Once you realize what I've done, ha, ha, ha. Whatever. Um, but you can, you can just tell how disinterested <laughs> in this one I am. And, uh, you know, afterwards, Superman, we see him testing his powers. He's trying to smash a rock. He's trying to melt or, uh, disintegrate it with his heat vision. He's trying to do all these various things and he's, he's just weak. His power's there, but it's very weak. And as the sky clears, he sees, oh shit, it's not a yellow sun, it's a red sun. And what Leitner has done is he has, uh, hacked into a whole bunch of Lex's satellites. And is creating some sort of shield with their wavelengths. He said a force field. Yeah, force field that makes, that filters the yellow light out and makes it red light that comes in. So of course Superman is losing his powers. And he's doing this so he can get Superman into such a weakened state that he can just blow him away and kill him. Um, and along the way, Jimmy and Lois get wrapped up in it and Superman's gotta save them with, uh, basically no powers left. So, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts about this one? Again, as we asked countless times before, where did this guy, while he was in prison, get the technology to turn himself invisible? Uh, well, he's in a max. He's in a maximum security penitentiary. Implies that he gave him doesn't imply. He says he gave him some resources. Uh, and, okay, well then, my next question would be, where does he find the time to hijack dozens of satellites? Right, that's the thing I have a problem with. The little invisibility gizmo, fine, whatever, I don't know why Luthor would continue to supply this guy who ratted him out with stuff. Yeah, it makes no sense at all. But I'll go with it. But, yeah, how did he hack into all those satellites? I mean, dozens, if not hundreds of satellites. How did he find time to program that holodeck-like room in that building that he uh, uh, commandeered, will say. You know, how did he do all this in the two or three days that he was out of prison? It just doesn't make sense. At least he comes off as a formidable villain, but yeah, the again, the execution just just absolutely terrible. I love how they said this was this line I got a kick out of. Uh, yeah. Superman doesn't play games. He just spent over a year like toying with Mixie's Pitlick. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So yeah, 
that I I don't even know what I, I don't know if it was inter- like you said if it's interesting or if it's uh, just uh, weird I, sh- I guess I'll just say mm-hmm. but then I think uh, my next big plot hole with this is how did Superman get his powers back so quickly once all the the red filters were gone yeah it's like it takes days for the red filters to sap away his energy but he just gets his powers back right away yeah just right away oh they're back I'm in the sun five seconds bang, I hit you in the face, you're dead, Lightner. Like, okay, sure, that makes no sense, but whatever. It's- I mean, hell, in Starcrossed and Justice League, it takes him hours upon hours to get his powers back yeah. after they break out of that the, the Thanagar prison. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> no continuity whatsoever. Yeah, and here's the thing. When Superman's losing his powers, he's almost acting as if he's like, super weak, like he's like a sickly child. And yeah. Really, under a red sun, he wouldn't be sick, he just wouldn't be Superman. He'd be Clark Kent. He'd be a normal guy. I mean, yeah, I mean, look at Jor-El. Jor-El was a super badass under a red sun. So Superman wouldn't be all like, oh, I'm running a fever and I don't feel good. I mean, of course, he didn't say these things, but that's the way he was acting half the time. Yeah. As if he was just like out of breath and couldn't do anything. It's like, dude, you're just human. Deal with it. You know, and I didn't understand why Luthor fully admitted to Lois that he provided a criminal with supplies to do criminal things, including break out of jail. She she calls him up and she's like, Luthor, I know you have a grudge against Superman. You know, did you happen to use, let Leitner use your satellites to do this? And he's like, Lois, I might hate Superman and I might have provided Leitner with some technology when he was in prison. But would I seriously lose millions of dollars? And put the world at risk to, to, you know, to try to kill Superman. And of course, we know he's lying. I mean, you can imply that he's lying based on, the, based on the smirk on his face and the bullseye that he hits, but it's never explicitly said. So go either way with that. But either way, he wouldn't admit that shit to Lois because she's a fucking reporter who hates his guts. Yeah, it's just it's bad characterization on Luther's part. I mean, last time he's sitting there holding a press co- conference. For no good goddamn reason, damning Superman, and now he's admitting to Lois that, oh yeah, sure, I, 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 I gave a criminal, you know, whatever he wanted. Sure, yeah, this this won't implicate me in anything at all. Oh God. Mm-hmm. Um, look up in the sky. <laughs> it's a bird. What's it sitting on? <laughs> that was funny. Mm. I thought. I mean, it was tongue in cheek. It wasn't like, look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's like, look. Up in the sky. I mean, it was very slow. It was very natural. It worked for me. That one worked. It did. Yeah, it did. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what to think of the uh, the lightsaber cutlass. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I get he's a guy. His light is his gimmick and all this shit, but I don't know. How, how would you construct such a thing? <laughs> well, how would you construct a lightsaber to begin with? Well, they explain that in the Star Wars uh, universe. Oh, jeez. Oh, so because they explain it in Star Wars, it's okay. But because they don't explain it here, it's not. <laughs> well, it's two totally different things. Oh. So there. <laughs> um, I hate this episode, by the way. You know, yeah. Did I, did I mention that? I, I kind of noticed. You know, and here's the thing. Here's my biggest gripe with this episode, okay? Leitner mm-hmm. is making it so that the sun is being filtered through these satellites. We've already established that, this force field, whatever. Mm -hmm. While Superman still has about 75% of his strength, 
Why doesn't the son of a bitch just fly into space beyond the satellites? Now, at the end, he is attempting to get in his rocket to do that. But at that point, he's at about 10% strength. No, at that point, he's not even going to fly beyond the satellites. He's just going to shoot the satellites down. Right. But at the beginning, once he realizes that there's a red sun, he still has enough power to fly into space beyond the satellites and soak up the sun. And once he does that, he could, you know, dismantle the satellites if he needed to, and then he doesn't have to worry about the red rays anymore. I mean, this this episode right there is it's just dead on the floor for me. Just absolutely, it dies. Because once you realize that, you're like, nothing makes sense. Nothing. If Superman can get into space, be it under his own power or in a rocket, he can get beyond the satellites, he can get the yellow rays, and he's all good to go, and Lightner is over with. This is a five-minute episode, once you factor that in. Yep. But, see, for me, it died when uh, I was trying to figure out how he found the time to hijack all those satellites in the first place. Yeah, yeah. So... So I think this episode for me was about eh, two minutes, give or take 30 <laughs> seconds. Yeah. I, it's like we've just had a run of kind of meh episodes on Superman here. Yeah. It's like I'm so glad World's Finest is coming up yeah, soon. That's that's what we're suffering through this before we get to World's Finest. It's just it's a gauntlet. Mm-hmm. It's a gauntlet of shit. I mean, sure, we had, you know, a bright spot in the form of Mixie. Oh, yeah. You know, and, you know, they're not all bad, the ones we've gone through. Some are kind of average, you know, they're there or whatever. But they've just been bad lately. Just, oh, just brain-hurtingly bad. <laughs> There's our newest our newest created word, hurtingly. Yeah. <laughs> Is, do you want to say anything else about this one? Can we move on <laughs> to our scores? Yeah, let's just do the scores. Okay, let's before, go. Back. Before our brains implode. I know. Okay, so first up was Target. I gave this one a four. What do you give this one? Uh, I'll go slightly higher and give it just a five, right down the middle. Okay. Uh, I can't pronounce the name of the next one. Mixie's Pixelated. Okay, what do you give this one? Um, I don't think it was quite as good as the main man, which I had a lot of fun with also. I'm just going to take one point off and give it a nine. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you uh, there. Uh, action figures. Uh, I'll give that one a six. Again, we agree. Let's see. Oh, here we go. Double dose. Two. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, I'll give this one. Let's see. It's got, you know, I had a score and I erased it and then I amended it and I erased the amendment. I mean, it's got the parasite, but he's totally fucking lame and. My score is completely because of the animation. That's, I will fully admit that. And that's what that's, I was about to say. It's got some good animation, and it's got that great death at the end. You know, I'll give this one a three. Well, not death, but great knockout scene at the end. Yeah, I'll give it a three, and I realize I'm probably being generous there. Um, and lastly, solar power. I, I almost want to give this one a two also, but I'll give this a three. Well, I'm going to give this one a two. So still dark, no sound, no light, nothing. My mind, I cannot let it drift. I must remember, I am Metallo. I am Metallo.
Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. And don't forget that you can leave us feedback on iTunes. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss four more episodes from Superman the Animated Series, those being Brave New Metropolis, Monkey Fun, Ghost in the Machine, and Father's Day. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. Podcast.